Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Monday evening where we continue our reflections into this very rich epistle, this very rich letter, Paul's first letter to the Church of Corinth. We are moving along here. The first letter to the Church of Corinth is made up of, <clears throat> excuse me, 16 chapters, and we are in chapter 12, and uh, chapter 12 will have us looking closely at the spiritual gifts. I have very much been looking forward to this evening's subject matter, and really the subject matter that we are going to get into uh, this whole week, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, as we treat uh, Paul's first letter to the Church of Corinth. And that being said, I do just want to continue to welcome all of you uh, listening out there by way of podcast in the countries of Canada, Mexico, Argentina, Brazil, Chile, uh, Portugal, France, Spain, Italy, Poland, Croatia, uh, South Africa, India, China, Japan. As always, it is just great to see you on the grid, and I do appreciate the fact that you are taking time out of your very busy schedules to join me here on Seeds of Truth, reflecting into, well, what we reflect into. We are treating this epistle, but we talk about so much subject matter. It is never enough to just say we are treating an epistle. (laughs) We should always be mindful that to talk about in epistles to talk about the Word of God is, is to talk about how God wants to reveal Himself to us, how God wants to encounter us, how God wants to inform us, how God wants to show us to live a more Christian and Catholic holy life. You see, we can only do this if we are spending time with the inspired Word of God. The sacred page is a blueprint for holiness, and you can never get enough of this kind of blueprint. You have heard me speak of love before within the context of what is inexhaustible. Well, my dear friends, the inspired Word of God is that love revealed, and therefore we can never exhaust studying the sacred page. We can never exhaust studying the inspired Word of God. And uh, out from our treatment of sacred scripture, yeah, we pick very specific topics um, Thursday each week. I take your question and respond to them, and and it can be a question or questions on anything. And uh, this Thursday, we will be talking about why we pray. I'll also be responding to the question, I'm a good person, why do I need religion? Okay, so there's all sorts of subject matter that we talk about here, and for you to take time out of your busy schedule to uh, join me in my series of reflections, again, I do appreciate it a great deal. Now, as I said, we are in 1 Corinthians 12, and what I want to do is just, well, do what I've been doing. Take this in blocks, right? What I, what I do here is I might read a series of four verses, seven verses, ten verses, however it works to take on a particular topic, right? So what I want to do right now, if you have your Bibles, is go ahead and read 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 to 3. So our initial block this evening will be verses 1 to 3. Now, verses 1 to 11 treats the spiritual gifts, but I, I want to spend a little bit of extra time with verses 1 to 3 because it does help us better understand uh, what Paul is after. 
All right, verses 1 to 3. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were heathen, you were led astray to mute idols, however you may have been moved. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. All right, as we've noted before, that phrase, now concerning, suggests what? Well, that he's, <laughs> he's responding to a series of questions. Again, we are grateful for St. Paul to take the time <laughs> to respond to the Corinthian people and their questions, right? Because ultimately we know uh, his series of responses as the first letter to the church of Corinth. And what about this word uninformed, by the way? In the opening to the Gospel of Luke, what did Luke say? I am writing to inform you. And remember, the Greek there is katikeo. It's where we get the word catechesis, right? When we catechize someone, we are informing them on matters of doctrine, right? The doctrine of Jesus Christ. Well, here, <laughs> Paul doesn't want us to be left uninformed or otherwise uncatechized. So 1 Corinthians 12 is, we can say, a catechesis on the charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit and their role in the one body of Christ. This chapter, my friends, is very much to be seen in light of the whole epistle. What do I mean? Well, remember at the beginning of this letter, Paul gave thanks for how richly the Corinthians have been endowed with what? Spiritual gifts, especially with all discourse and all knowledge. Isn't that what we read in chapter 1, verse 5? Adding that, in fact, they do not lack any spiritual gifts. So from the outset, Paul wanted the Corinthian people to know that they're not lacking any spiritual gift, and they have everything they need to enter into proper discourse with one another. But as we have been treating, and as the letter progressed, it was evident that they what? That they lacked in maturity, and even in awareness of their new identity as Christians. The Corinthians' divisiveness, and their, as Paul has spoken to it, insensitivity to the common good of the community, has essentially compromised their effective use of the gifts. We could say, my friends, that in many ways, their lack of awareness to those who were most in need is what was compromising their spiritual gifts. What does the word compromise mean, by the way? It comes from a Latin word that speaks to this giving in or this concession, to do something but at the same time conceding another thing. What Paul is trying to tell the Corinthian people that is in their lack of awareness to their community and to the common good, they are conceding their spiritual gifts. By not understanding that love is at the center, they are conceding their spiritual gifts. And what am I talking about here? Well, let's think about this, my friends. What is God? God is love. God is love. And if we are not imitating that, isn't that what he talked about at the end of chapter 10? Be imitators of me as I am an imitator of Jesus Christ. Be imitators of me as I am an imitator of the one who revealed the fullness of love. So Paul has been telling the Corinthian community, if you are not putting love at the center of what you are doing, ultimately you are conceding the power behind the spiritual gift itself because the Holy Spirit is what? The love shared between the Father and the Son. 
This is why, as he talks about the spiritual gifts in chapter 12 and what that looks like in its application in chapter 14, he has his great treatment of love in chapter 13, right? So St. Paul, my friends, is well aware of what is affecting the Corinthian community, that their insensitivity towards the common good is impacting how they are exercising or lack thereof their spiritual gifts. So he returns to the spiritual gifts, the pneumatica in the Greek, right? First to what? Clarify the, the, the source and purpose of these charismatic gifts, okay? And this is what he does in chapter 12, and then in chapter 14 to give them practical directions and, and how to use them. But again, in the center of this section, chapters 12 to 14, we have St. Paul's classic treatment on love, what many have called his Magna Carta on love. Now, before we get into these verses, something else should be said. When we talk about the charismatic gifts, and when, and when we talk about the emergence of the charismatic renewal, this had really died down for a long time, up until the Second Vatican Council, which convened in 61 and then ultimately concluded in 65. So the last, well, we could say 50 years, there has certainly been an emergence and we could even say a flourishing of the charismatic renewal and many other great movements that have led to this kind of revitalization of the mission of just not the church, but also the laity, the way in which they've responded to the charismatic gifts that Paul talks about here. What's interesting, and again, we're going to get into the detail of this, is that Paul insists, he insists that every Christian is endowed with one or more of these gifts of the Holy Spirit for what? but the building up of the church. And he urges the Corinthians to seek these gifts and to exercise these gifts, but always in a way that is orderly and effective, in a way that is orderly and effective. Disorder, chaos, dysfunction, carelessness, recklessness, all of these things are not fruits of the Spirit, okay? What is beautiful, what is orderly, what is harmonious, these are fruits of the Spirit. And these, my friends, are things that shine forth in the charismatic gifts. All right, what about some of these verses? Well, let us look at this verse 2 here. I, I find this verse fascinating because it does speak to something very important. You know how when you were pagans, you were constantly attracted and led away to mute idols. What's going on there? You were repeatedly led away. This verb suggests, my friends, in the Greek, more than an attraction. It is actually a verb that is used sometimes for prisoners being dragged away to execution. I mean, think about that. Here, Paul is using a verb that in another context has been used to speak to prisoners being dragged away to execution. When you go into the history here a little bit of this, and even specifically to um, some Old Testament passages, the Greek oracles, uh, and by oracles we mean priestesses of ancient Greece through whom a deity was believed to speak, like, say, the prophets of Baal in 1 Kings 18, um, often worked themselves into a frenzy. And what you would find in this frenzy was a loss of rational control. And this would, of course, be evidence that they were possessed by a demon, Right? This supernatural behavior 
was a magnet to the common people's appetite for the supernatural, for the marvelous, for the extraordinary. You know, today we have a tendency to be drawn to the supernatural. You know, if I told you someone was performing miracles five miles away, I'm sure you would do anything and everything to get yourself wherever that is taking place five miles away to witness what these miracles were all about. Well, the supernatural behavior in this case was demonic. And what Paul wants us to see here is that this kind of behavior didn't have any sense of control. And Paul is very specific to speak to how it was capitulating in evil. Now, what's really interesting here is the idols, of course, they could not speak. They were what? Mute. Mute. A point of mockery for the psalmist and prophets, really, if you were to go to Psalm chapter 115, verse 5, what do we read? They have mouths, but do not speak. We read of Elijah taunting the prophets who call upon Baal for a whole day with no answer forthcoming, right? Paul is implying a contrast of these deaf and dumb gods with the God who what? Hears and speaks. The God of the living word. So in verse 2, we read, You know how when you were pagans, you were constantly attracted and led away to mute idols. Paul is saying, before you converted, you were raptured in the pagan way. Now, (laughs) he contrasts that with what? Therefore, I tell you that nobody speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit except by the Holy Spirit. So these charismatic gifts that he's about to talk about and how they might work people up into a frenzy, it's not about that because it's not about the pagan way. No, it is about the stuff of Jesus Christ because ultimately the charismatic gifts don't leave us mute, unable to talk about things that matter most. They leave us inspired wanting, desiring to talk about what matters most. And of course, that is Jesus Christ. And St. Paul is very careful to highlight that this is not only not a work of the demon, but also not a work of man, but ultimately a work of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. What does he say? Any sincere confession that Jesus is Lord comes from the Holy Spirit. What do we read in Revelation chapter 19, verse 10? Witness to Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So in preparing to discuss the charisms, Paul sets a foundation for all movements of the spirit. It is the basic Christian confession of Jesus as what? Lord. Kyrios. That is a Greek uh, word, by the way, that speaks to one who is being dominated by. Now that can almost sound intimidating, yet... My friends, who listening does not want to be dominated by Jesus Christ? He who has revealed himself as a loving father, a loving father. So my dear friends, Paul wants us to see that there are no grounds for elitism or for competition. Whatever gifts one might have, they all find their source in what is common to all. As Paul will make clear in this chapter, one spirit, one Lord, one God, one body, and one baptism for all, right? 
We also hear this language, by the way, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 to 16. One body, one spirit, one hope of your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. So let us now read verses 4 to 11 and uh, start our initial treatment of some of these gifts. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of working, but it is the same God who inspires them all in every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Verse 7 there is very important, my friends. At least it was for St. Paul. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. What is the common good? Well, to build up one another in what? Love. Love. He's planting a seed here that he's going to develop in chapter 13. Why? Because the Corinthian community has not been about the common good. Because the Corinthian community have been exercising these gifts, but for the sake of who? Themselves. Puffing themselves up. Didn't we talk about that? Right? Verse 8. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits. Huh? And that, of course, speaks to the gift of discernment, and we'll get more into that later. To another various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are inspired, right? All these are inspired by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Something to be present to, my friends, is that we should never be caught up in this, I have more or less than the Christian next to me, especially within the context of gifts, Remember that the word gift comes from the Greek charismata. It is the same word we have for grace, the charis, grace, right? The spiritual gifts are then what? The graces that God pours into his church, the graces that God pours into his people. And we should be not only satisfied, but grateful, joyful for just not the gifts we have received but also the gifts we see in one another. If I have this, the, the gift of discernment and you have the gift of interpreting tongues, I should not be envious of the gift you have in the interpretation of tongues. I should be grateful that you have so desired that gift and that's the gift you have. And you can apply this truth to any one gift. Again, this brings us back to that all-important virtue of gratitude. I just appreciating what has been given to you. Just appreciating what has been given to you. Okay, as I have noted, these gifts are different forms of service, which indicate that they are not given primarily for the benefit of the individual, though they can benefit the individual. I should note that, right? If we are receiving a particular gift of the Holy Spirit, that gift is going to benefit me, right? But in the end, it's not about me as the end, but about how we exercise that gift, a point simply we can never emphasize enough. 
Now, what else here? From a theological point of view, it's very significant that St. Paul parallels the Spirit, the Lord, and God the Father. Once again, he wants us to understand that all of these gifts have as their source the very life of the Trinity. Love given, love received, love shared, huh? The Father gives, the Son receives, and in the Holy Spirit, that love is shared. So he wants us to see that the source of what we are sharing in is the Trinity itself. Now, what about verse 7 here, this phrase, manifestation of the Spirit? What does that mean? Well, (laughs) it means that the gifts are visible, right? The gifts can be seen for what they are, outward signs, outward evidences of the work of the Holy Spirit. I was in conversation with someone about the charismatic renewal. Oh, about a month ago, I was giving a talk at a parish, and someone came up to me, and it was a convert to the faith, and actually at one point, someone who was atheist. And I had asked her, what was that one thing that triggered your conversion? And she looked at me, and she said, you know, this might surprise you. And I said, well, God uses all things at his disposal. What was the one thing for you? And she says, it was the charismatic renewal. And I said, really? What do you mean by that? And she said, well, I was witnessing the way in which something I cannot explain working in people and the body of Christ. And I thought, wow, isn't that a beautiful testimony to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7? Huh? The manifestation of the Spirit, how the manifestation of the Spirit, how those outward evidences of the work of the Spirit can actually be a point of conversion for someone. And someone who was not even... Christian, huh? Fascinating. So, yes, they are interior graces, but they are interior graces that are intended for the sake of the body of Christ. Paul uses the phrase, is given, several times here. We, we see this phrase in verse 7, is given, and he repeats it in verse 8. He's emphasizing this because... <laughs> There was this tendency in the Corinthian community, and we certainly see this today, to think that we are the one who is responsible for the gift. And he's emphasizing that the manifestation cannot be attributed to a natural talent per se. The spiritual gifts are very different than natural talents, okay? This is something that is extraordinary, something outside of what maybe he has given to us at our birth and something developed over time, something different. Nor, and I think this is very important, nor does it indicate that the receiver is a holier person who merited the gift. There might be that tendency today to look at someone who is quote-unquote holy, right, and say, well, the spiritual gifts are for that person. They're not for me because I'm not holy enough. No, no, my friends, That is not the case. In point of fact, God desires to give everyone spiritual gifts. Certainly, these gifts are the fruit of baptism and confirmation. But if you are someone who has been baptized and you've fallen away from the the church and you see someone who is practicing their faith, don't think for a second that the spiritual gifts are only for them. No, God desires to pour these gifts out to everyone. Never forget, my friends that while every saint has a past, every sinner has a future. 
And if you want your future to have saint before your name, then repent of your sins, go before God, and ask him for these gifts that Paul is really encouraging us to ask him for, right? You know, in the end, my friends, the pouring out of these gifts, what gifts you might receive, whether it be one, two, or even three gifts, is strictly dependent upon not only your desire for them, obviously, but also God's generosity and how he wants to pour them out. What did Jesus say in John chapter 3? He said that he does not ration himself out. And by that, Jesus wants us to see that God does not say a little bit for you, a little bit for you, a little bit over here, a little bit over there. No, there is nothing lacking in God's absolute and unconditional love. He wants to pour all of himself into us. And he can do so by the power of the Holy Spirit. And these particular charisms, these particular gifts that, again, not only build up the body of Christ, but also us. So we have to ask in faith that Jesus desires to give us these gifts because in giving us these gifts, he has given us his very life, his very life and love, which is expressed in very particular ways in these gifts that we just read about and again, we'll explore throughout this week. So in summary, my friends, as we are just laying the foundation for a much thorough treatment of the charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit. We are to appreciate that these are gifts that come from God, and ultimately, while they build us up and strengthen our faith as individuals, as sons and daughters of God, they are for, what did Paul say? The benefit of the people of God, the benefit of the church, as these gifts manifest themselves both in the individual and the church they bear witness to the love shared between the Father and the Son, which, of course, is the Holy Spirit itself. Amen? Amen. All right, with that, let us go ahead and close with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.